1: Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go, even in a radio studio. Here's Jason
0: Grill. Hello, and welcome to Grill Nation with Jason Grillhar on Talk980am and Talk980am.com. Appreciate you joining us as well via podcasts at iTunes and TuneIn Radio as well as at grillnationshow.com where you can find all of our podcast supporters, partners of the show, and photos of all of our guests along with more information about Grill Nation. Real quickly, I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation before I get into today's show with one of our partners and supporters. They are Trusts, Bank of Kansas City, Two West Advisors, and Ryan Rink, Bash Real Estate, Catalyst, Government Affairs, The Rear KC, Jay Rigger & Co., Whiskey, and Kansas City Power Light District and Ryan Rink. I also want to thank Ryan Weber and Clifton Alexander, who have been on the show of late and will be on again very shortly. One of those partners and supporters is Ryan maybe who's with uh, Rieger KC and Jay Rieger and Co. welcome back to the show, Ryan. thanks good to be back. It's good to see you. um okay, so you've been traveling a lot we've we've talked about this a lot, but you're growing Rieger.
1: man it's Jay Rieger uh, and Co is growing like crazy yeah yeah, it's growing fast and you know we keep we're still a, a young we're not well actually as of today. Uh, this is our two-year anniversary. We so launched, we're in
0: November, and so now yeah,
1: it's been two years? Two years as of today. We launched our Kansas City Whiskey on November 1st of fourteen. Wow. Yeah. I mean,
0: time does fly.
1: It's kind of crazy that the Royals World Series,
0: the first oh, one, I was know. two years ago.
1: Yeah, I know, and now we're no longer defending world <laughs> champions.
0: <laughs> but it's just nuts to think about how much it flies, and it's you know 80 degrees in October. It's a little weird. Now That's we're in November. Right. You know, <laughs> it's not right. So you've been traveling. I know you were in... Um, You've been out in Colorado. You, yeah, you're, you're going to be going out east soon, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Actually, on Monday, on Monday, I'm headed to Washington D.C. I'm going to be there on, on Tuesday morning on Election Day too. That should be interesting. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll,
0: we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that will be very
1: interesting for you, huh? Yeah, I've never yeah. I've never been in D.C. on Election Day, so no, I I haven't either. I, I don't know what to expect, but it uh, it could be interesting. But yeah, you know, uh, Jay Regan Co is is two years old now, and um, it, it it amazes me how how fast things have have happened and and how uh, quickly we're we're growing and we keep we try to be responsible and say you know let's not go let's not out, not outpace ourselves make sure that we can keep up with mm-hmm. demand and and all that stuff and uh you know then we get all excited because we get good press and we've got states uh, that are contacting us distributors saying we want it we need to bring it in you know and that's a little so bit unheard of they're that's, contacting you they're contacting us which is really uh, it's awesome, you know, because th- there's so much competition out there and there's so many startup brands and small distilleries. And yeah. usually the way that it works is they send their product to a random distributor in in, a, in any given state and say, uh-huh. please, you know, buy our stuff and sell it for us. And in our case, it's, uh, is it's that, the other way around. Is
0: that due because of your hustle and your, your knowledge of you've been in this industry for a while?
1: I, I think that has something to do with it. I mean, we're, built a lot of we've been building this foundation for, you know, fifteen, sixteen years or so, mm-hmm. uh, but especially in the last ten, you know, and since opening the Rieger in two thousand and ten, and really starting to build that brand back then, and you know, also the the national bartending community is so tight knit, and we all know each other and respect each other and and encourage each mm-hmm. other, so uh, it's a lot easier to to kind of establish a, a national name for yourself and and get the word out there about your brand, and then people get excited about bartender brands, so. You know, mm-hmm. when when somebody from the bartending industry makes that leap, whether it's to a brand ambassador role for a large company or starting their own brand, uh, I think it, it helps create a lot of demand for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Ryan, maybe uh, Jay Rieger and Co. So talk to me about um, the state you're in or the state you think you'll be in by the end of the year. That well, we're currently,
1: we're currently in uh, 12 states plus Washington, D.C. And, and see, in the beginning of the year, you were in like two, two or three, right? Um, yeah, well, we – okay, so we – Initially, we're just Kansas and Missouri. Mm-hmm. You know, for the first, basically the first year. At the end of the first year, we kicked off Illinois so that we could get into the Chicago market, and we kicked off Nebraska, uh, being that uh, we had a lot of contacts in Omaha and Lincoln, and mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of like a It's kind of like a sister city to KC. You know, so we can almost capitalize on that local, uh, that local flavor. But um, since then, you know, since launching Nebraska and Illinois at the end of uh, 2015. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. We've launched New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., Colorado, Louisiana, um, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Can,
0: where can you pick up your brand there? Is it at like bars mostly?
1: <clears throat> uh, bars and retail. Oh, retail uh, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we definitely – I think we focus a little bit more on, on bars and restaurants, uh, the on-premise side of things. Uh, I think it's a good way to, to brand build and, and, mm-hmm. and generate some, some interest and demand. Uh, but you can also get us in retail. In fact, actually, this is kind of cool. I just saw a photo – uh, on twitter that somebody posted a couple days ago at a costco in denver hmm. uh actually in like a suburb of denver uh with uh 18 of our cases stacked like an end cap display of j Rieger and co uh stacked on the floor at costco i'm like that's wow, amazing. how that happened that's pretty cool exactly right? yeah
0: um you're talking about international potentially
1: yeah i think that's definitely going to happen my uh a uh, business partner, Andy Rieger, just met with, um, we were in Italy together. Oh, you went to Italy? Yeah, just uh, two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Where then, were you at? Uh, in Tuscany, like okay. right, right in the heart of Chianti uh, Classico. Did in wine Andy, country. Andy go on that trip? Yeah, he did. And then uh, I had to come back home, and him and his wife spent more time in, in Europe. They went over to Prague and then mm. went to Paris. And when they were in Paris, they met with a distributor that's been reaching out to us, um, trying to, to get distribution uh, in France. And so that's, that's a possibility as well, getting into like France and Italy and the UK. I love
0: it. I love Italy. I, I lived there for six months when I was in college. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, so that'll be up. That'll be interesting. And then you uh, recently were contacted by American airlines, right? Uh,
1: United. United airlines. airlines. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a really cool opportunity. That I should have known United. I've been <laughs> right. flying in Italy. It's a nice airline. Right. Um, this is a really cool opportunity that just got put in front of us. Um, United Airlines is uh, opening up a whole new first-class experience that they call Polaris. And um, that with that first-class ticket, they're also opening these high-end Polaris first-class lounges in a handful of uh, international terminals uh, around the country. First one launches in Chicago O'Hare in December. And then after that, they open them up in uh, uh, Newark and Dulles and San Francisco and LAX. So...
0: Jay Rieger will be a part of this?
1: Yeah. So what they're doing is in the, in those lounges, they have a, a more high end bar experience. They wanted to go with craft cocktails and bartender inspired cocktails, that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, they reached out to five, uh, bartenders around the country to submit some recipes. And, uh, I was one of them. And so, uh, actually the cocktail that's, that's going amazing. on. So this is really cool. The cocktail that they decided that they want, I sent them a, a list of like three or four cocktails, like, suggesting this would be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one they chose is the Nile cocktail, which is uh, inspired by – Mike Wilson. Wilson, Right, Nile watches, and uh, that's the drink that they're going to put on the menu. And it's going to be in all those terminals across the country.
0: Unbelievable. And so that's just a reputation-based thing, and and knowing your background is in mixology or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And and they just reached out. Yeah. That's pretty cool when you get reached out by a huge – airline like yeah, that you I, I can not think you you
1: think about a corporate uh, entity like that and usually uh in this business I would have expected if you if you wanted to get any sort of like uh product placement uh at an establishment like that it's almost like a pay to play kind of thing mm-hmm. you know first off you have to have broad distribution so that you can get your product in all of their locations mm-hmm. and then second usually you've got to like you got to play the game to get in so but well, I, think I think things yeah, are changing yeah I think and I think it might have been that way at one point I think the reason that that's shifting is that consumers are demanding a more specialized product. They're demanding more variety instead of just the standard brands that they see everywhere. And I think this is a way for I think companies are starting to respond to that and and say we got to offer something new. Completely
0: agree. We're talking to Ryan Maybe. He's a partner and supporter of Grill Nation. He'll be on the show with me all day today. Uh, we are going to have some other exciting guests coming on as well. You're listening to Grill Nation here on Talk 9 8 AM and talk98am.com. Appreciate you joining me as well on iTunes. Have a great day. We'll be right back. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts fast like a man on the wire. Can't stop laughing but I don't Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. You're listening to KMBZ 980 AM and Talk 980AM dot com. Appreciate you as well as joining me today on podcasts on iTunes and TuneIn Radio and at GrillNationShow.com where again you can find all our partners and supporters, uh, all of our social media information as well as photos of our guests and shows. We have one of our partners and supporters of. The Grill Nation show with Jason Grill uh, on the phone line right now from Washington, D.C. We have Danny Pfeiffer, who is a contributor to Grill Nation. Uh, he is the principal and founder of Catalyst Government Affairs. Also joining me again is Ryan Maybe, founder of J Rieger & Co. and Rieger KC. Welcome to the show, Danny.
3: Hey, guys. It's good to be on again. It's been too long.
0: I know it has. You've been working pretty hard. What have you been up to? Let's let our listeners know again uh, what you do, <laughs> do for a living and uh, kind of what you've been up to in the last few months.
3: Yeah, sure, absolutely. I'm the founder of Catalyst. Uh, we are a uh, multi-state government affairs firm based in Kansas City. Um, we sort of specialize in uh, high-tech and emerging issues. and represent a lot of fun and interesting clients in the tech space, and it has been an interesting
0: Yes, it has. Um, so you're in D.C. today, one week out from Election Day, huh?
3: Yes, sir. It, uh, it's quiet uh, because, as you know, everyone is out campaigning um, and focused on <laughs> – there are elections and re-elections, but this city this city could be a very different city in a week.
0: Yes, it could, Dana. I want to mention too. Uh, you mentioned high tech growth and uh, technology firms. You've worked with the likes of Tesla and Uber. Is that correct?
3: Absolutely. Yep. And, and other other interesting uh, companies like DraftKings and FanDuel in the fantasy sports arena, Coinbase, which is a uh, Bitcoin company. We do a lot of, a lot of. On and interesting work with
0: companies like that. One thing I got to mention too about Danny is, while he is Missouri and Kansas, he uh, he does travel the country a lot and does a lot of things for a lot of different states. And let's get into the kind of the election cycle here, Danny. Uh, with obviously the election is, people are voting as we speak. Um, what what do you think? What's gonna What's going on in Missouri right now? I mean, there's a very tight governor's race. Um, I know you've known um, Attorney General Costa for quite a while. Eric Greitens is kind of new on the scene, never ran for office before. If, my memory serves me right, and uh, but the the election seems to be tightening here, is it not?
3: Yeah, I think it is. Yes, it is. It is certainly that's what we're seeing in the polls. Um, and you're right. It is you know just like nationally, you know Missouri is a bellwether state um, in a lot of ways. It's trended red for some time but certainly is no stranger to electing Democrats for high-profile statewide offices. Um, And you asked about the governor's race. You know, since the primary, uh, there have been lots of polls out, and uh, there has, I think, led in every single public poll that we've seen, but the margins have certainly shrunk as we've gotten closer to the election. And I attribute that to a couple of things. I mean, one, the, the national dynamic. Um, has certainly influenced, I think, a little bit of uh, the vote model a little bit in that re- Republicans are a little more excited today than they might have been a week ago or so. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a little tightening there. And then I think, you know, Republicans are going home. If you look at Coster's polling, you know, he was garnering one, uh, he was getting one in four Republican votes, which is unprecedented for a Democrat statewide candidate. Um, and you have to fact that you know a few of those republicans probably at the end of the day end up voting republicans so that's probably hurting his margin a bit um as well so the race certainly is tightening a few point lead still for Coster, and with uh you know a few days to go
0: i'll make my prediction i think Coster will win uh i he's he's garnered support like you said from typical republican groups such as the farm bureau the nra he's he he'll be fine unless there's an enormous Trump victory in Missouri. I want to touch briefly on the Senate race in Missouri. That seems to be very close. Uh we've both known uh you've obviously known both candidates for quite a while. Um I served in the legislature with Jason Kander and he you know, he worked really hard back then when he was in a district uh that was 80% democratic you know to the tune of all we, to the tune of asking me for donations when my district was 60% republican <laughs> um but uh, but anyway so he uh he works really hard and uh, you can tell that by the way the polls are uh you know running against a long-term established uh, veteran in Roy Blunt he is uh within the margin of error from the polls i'm seeing what what are you seeing out there
3: I, I think that's right. I mean, I would agree with your Costa prediction. I'm I'm, I'm predicting Costa by two points on election day on the Senate race. It's an interesting dynamic. Um, Jason was my state rep uh, when he was in the state house, and you're right. Uh, for a guy that came from a district where he didn't really need to work hard, he worked harder than almost anyone um, I've seen, um, and I think that's playing out. I mean, in, in his ascension. To Secretary of State and um, this campaign that he's running for Senate, which by most measures has been a pretty good campaign. Um, that said, I think that, you know, I've known Roy for uh, quite some time since my early and humble days putting up yard signs as a volunteer in campaigns in college. Um, and by most accounts, um, Senator Blunt has been a fantastic senator and done a fantastic job for the state. Um, so I think if voters have a tough choice. Uh, when they go to the polls uh, on Tuesday, in regards to who they who, who they want to choose, um, and you know it may come down at the end of the day to um, the candidate's values and where they align. I mean, the Blunt campaign is running an aggressive campaign to um, to paint uh, Jason <clears throat> as being very aligned with Hillary um and two liberal for Missouri and of course the the the, the Candor campaigns working hard um, to expose the uh tenure and the time that Roy has spent um, in elected office and so i think it's going to matter it's really going to come down to um, how how you know what 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 the principles and the values the voters have uh, but, but i will predict this jason i think uh roy has done a good job as senator i think voters typically like to reward good work and and I think Roy will,
1: uh, will be reelected to the U.S.
0: Senate. Okay, and uh, Ryan maybe has a question. He's a Kansas City guy. One thing, you know, Jason Kander is from Kansas City.
1: Yeah, yep. Actually, uh, and Jason Kander, um, I don't often make my political view, views public. But Except Jason, on Kansas City issues, right? Yeah, and, and <laughs> Jason is actually, I, I can call him a friend, him and his wife. And back when I owned my first bar, J.P. Wine Bar and Coffee House in the Crossroads 10 years ago, Jason... Uh, helped me out quite a bit uh, with some legal uh, issues as when he back when he was a practicing lawyer. So he's just a really good guy. I, mm-hmm. I really have a, a ton of respect for him. Wish him well.
0: Yeah, and it'll be a tight race, and I think people are pretty surprised at how close it's been. Um, we're talking to Danny Pfeiffer, who's the founder and principal of Catalyst Government Affairs. Uh, Catalyst Group Online it is the website, uh, catalystgrouponline.com. Danny, um <clears throat> presidential race seems to be getting more even more interesting. Uh but again, I don't know. Uh I, I for me personally, I think the, the the electoral college just does not add up for Donald Trump. I don't know how it's possible he could win the election, but the public uh popular vote polling is is tightening.
3: It certainly is. Uh, it certainly is, especially with um, the uh, announcement by the FBI last week. But I tend to agree with you. If you look at the Electoral College, it's, a very, it's still a pretty steep hill for, for, for Donald Trump. He has to basically run the tables in swing states. He has to win Nevada. He has to win Ohio. He has to win Pennsylvania. He has to win Florida. Um, and that is a very, very uh, tall order. Polling in those states has tightened. And the Trump campaign has taken an interesting tack. Instead of spending a lot of time in those states where their numbers are improving, uh, Trump this week is is expanding the map. He's, he's traveling to blue states where Hillary's had, in some cases, double-digit leads. States like Michigan, uh, where Trump did a couple of, a couple of stops, um, trying to eat into her margins. So it's an aggressive and very interesting uh, uh, tactic, and we'll see if it pays for for donald um on election day but i would agree that winning the electoral college is tough for him he could he could win the uh popular vote but lose the electoral college
0: yeah he could uh gary johnson has fallen off the face of the earth he's he's at four (laughs) four and a half percent on on 538.com you know and he uh for a moment there i thought he was gonna get close to eight or nine percent maybe ten percent he needs to get at least five to get federal matching funds in 2020 for the libertarian party if they want to run for president again. It seems like the
1: first chance he got to actually make a name for himself and, and insert himself into the race, he just fell flat on his face. He fell flat
0: on his face and, and his, his running mate, William Weld, is like done great. He should have been the presidential candidate, uh, out of the libertarian ticket. So Danny, I got about two minutes left in this segment. Uh, Missouri, or actually let's go to the U.S. Senate. So that's going to be pretty close too, right? I mean, we talked about Jason Kander's race, but it, it looks like potentially the Democrats will take control of the Senate.
3: It looks that way today. Tight races with the Democrat uh, barely leading in Nevada. Um, you got uh, Pennsylvania is definitely in play, where you have Senator Toomey, who's a uh, Republican incumbent um, under attack. Um, but if you look at, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Nate Silver's blog. You, you probably know that well, sure. Jason. Yeah. Um, Five thirty eight, he, he's done a really some really cool analysis this year, where he updates almost hourly. Um, the like the likelihood, the probabilities of um, the presidential race, states, or U.S. Senate races, and the control of the U.S. Senate. I think I look today, and he's got it north of seventy percent probability that Democrats take control. Mm-hmm. And given given what the polls look like in states. I think it's
0: pretty likely today. So those are kind of the those are kind of the big elections. I think. I mean, U.S. Senate, Missouri, Missouri Governor. You know, the the Yoder race over in mm-hmm. Kansas. I guess is people think it might be tight, but I just I, I think that he'll win and he'll get reelected. Don't you think that? Is that kind of what you're saying?
3: People, people. You know, Kevin's been in office long enough now that people forget that that seat was held by Dennis Moore for quite some time, mm-hmm. and that it is a fairly uh, it's a fairly uh, moderate electorally moderate uh, seat. Uh and so I you know, I, I don't think that you can I don't think you can discount that or forget that and the voter demographic hasn't changed significantly. Uh, but I think Kevin's done a pretty good job and is generally well enough liked. Um his opponent has ran a really good and aggressive campaign, um, but my guess is uh, I agree with you, Jason. I think uh, Kevin will get elected, and I think fairly comfortably probably.
1: This, I just saw a commercial uh, where George Brett endorsed him. I'm like, that, <laughs> that, that'll <laughs> that put him over the hurt. top right there.
0: Yeah, whatever you get an athlete on uh, that's well-liked, no matter what, as a, as a legend on your commercials, it's a good win for you. Danny Pfeiffer, uh, Catalyst Government Affairs. He's in Washington, D.C. today. His website is catalystgrouponline.com. Check it out, uh, Danny. I appreciate you coming on the show, and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for joining us.
3: Yep. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks.
0: Thank you. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. Thanks for listening. First things first, I'm the realest. realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down
2: like I'm We'll raise up our glasses against evil forces, singing whiskey for my men, beer for my horses.
0: Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today, however you're listening, whether that's via the radio, online, or podcast. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation. Show I'm also available on Snapchat, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn as well at Jason Grill. I'll Snapchat some videos out of our show guests uh, as soon as we're done with our interviews today. Here today with partner and supporter of Grill Nation, Ryan Mabey, who is the uh, founder of J. Rieger & Co., Great, great company here in Kansas City, also is with Rieger KC. Um, Ryan, one of the great parts about having Ryan as a partner is he gets to uh, bring on really cool guests, and uh, one of them is in studio today, Andrew Olson. Uh, I'm going to let Ryan uh, introduce Andrew, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Andrew, thanks for coming. You got it. So... uh you are now the head bartender, bar manager. What's the proper title? Bar at manager. Bar manager. That's what the at, business card says. At, your at photo. <laughs> your
0: photo looks a little different on your uh, headshot here on, on the website shorter, at BlueStemKZ.com. <laughs> You've been growing a beard for about
2: a year. Yep. Yep. Started uh, mid-September of uh,
0: 2015. Wow. That is that is some dedication there, man. Yep. It is. Yep. And now
2: and now it's it's on a, it's got a short lifespan. It's about, going about, away, huh? Yep. About a week.
0: It's impressive. You might lose yeah. your cred it does, it does as a be,
2: as a hipster bartender if it, you lose that beard. I hope so. <laughs> it does, it, does, it doesn't even look real, does it? It really no, it's no, no. It's, it's uh, yeah. We'll it's, post
0: a photo of this to our Facebook page. It's really it's interesting.
2: Impressive. It's uh, part of the reason I'm getting rid of it is I'm just tired of maintenance, doing a lot of like the preventative maintenance on it. What is that entire? <laughs> what what is preventive maintenance? I mean, on literally, like I wake up in the morning and it is like upside down on the side of my face and tangled. And I have to like comb it and put beard oil and pomade in it every morning. So it's expensive, and that's a yeah. whole new industry. Like it's yeah, it blown up the whole <laughs> beard oil thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. it's I mean, crazy. But there's like, there. I think it's a lot. Of, it's a side project for a lot of people because the company that I use, Imperial Drifter, they actually use most of the profits from their sales to go to third world countries and teach people wow. how to make hygiene products out of like animal fat. <laughs> I swear to God. Who knew?
0: So, so your beard is is at least, uh, half a foot right now, or maybe. Oh, I'd say more than that. Is it? Is it eight inches? Eight inches? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. When did you, when
0: did you consider cutting it? Like month two or? No.
2: (laughs) Um, everybody goes through this like weird itchy stage, and I don't have the weird itchy stage. I don't know. I never went through it. So I kind of just didn't forget about it, but it wasn't, I never, I I wasn't thinking about it. So
0: are you going full shaven, or are you going to just trim it?
2: Just trim it. I, uh, I full shaved my beard for four years every single day when I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, right.
0: And, and Let's the, get into that. Let's get into your background. Okay. Ryan was, was asking you a pertinent question about what you do for a living, and I butt in with the with and the beard. No, that's all right. This is what I do for <laughs> so, a living is my exactly. beard. My beard is living.
1: It's an important part of it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hey, what is your background, Andrew? You're in the Marines.
2: Yep. Um, I grew up way far south, 215th and Prospect. Wow. Um, Cleveland, Missouri. Uh, Never heard of Cleveland, Missouri. No. No. Oh, man. it's Us uh, Northland kids, we never, we never went south of the there's, plaza. There's like a blinking stoplight, and I think that's about it. Um, but, yeah, I grew up out there. Um, right out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps in 2006 and uh, had a successful tour in, uh, in the Marine Corps, never deployed. Um, stayed in the hot desert of 29 Palms, California for four years. And did a lot of support for uh, pre-deployment training. Um, after that, after that, my first bar gig uh, right out of the Marine Corps was at Houston's on the Plaza. It's a
0: good place to land.
2: Yeah, it definitely was like a good place to cut your chops, learn speed and efficiency, and it's you a know, great from, restaurant. I, I mean, it is. It is a machine. So it's always right.
0: packed on on lunch days. Always uh, dinners. It's always
2: packed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after that, I went to. Uh, The President Hotel, and that's where I ended up meeting Brock Schulte, the current bar manager at the Rieger. Uh, After that, I moved to Boston for a short bit. Interesting. Yeah, just because I could. And you (coughs) moved home. Yep, and uh, very quickly decided that moving back to Kansas City was better uh, just career-wise. I had more opportunity in Kansas City. Um, And I discovered that uh, at an interview at a place called Eastern Standard, which I know Ryan's very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, their beverage director, Jackson Cannon, sat down with me, and he didn't even talk to me. He, like, sat down, he's got his phone in his hand. He's like, I'm texting Ryan maybe right now. What would he say about you? I'm like, well, probably nothing, because he's never actually sat at my bar, because at the time... We kind of knew each other. We knew each other, yeah. knew of each other. Like, we had said hi in passing or whatever, and I said, you know, he probably would just say that I spend a lot of time at his bars, but he's never spent time at mine. And that was what he told him he said, you know, I've but I've hey, never got actually, a job. Yeah. I've never actually been at his bar while he was working, but he is a great patron and guest of both <laughs> Manifesto and the Rieger.
0: So you kinda honed your craft at a lot of different places. Yeah. When, did all you, over the when place. but did you have any experience before?
2: Pre I mean pre Houston's no. But I mean it was Houston's and it was like I I got to experience so many different ends of the spectrum in the industry. Hotel bartending, wine bar, fine dining. High volume, when I lived in Boston, I worked at a restaurant uh, that could seat 400 people at once, and they would flip that room five times in a night. You wow. know the, the bar was doing $30,000 on a Friday night.
0: Do we have any restaurants that are that big? That yeah, huge. I would
2: say, I mean, that is very, very large.
0: 400.
1: Would, yeah, that's yeah. that's big. That's four times the size of the Rieger when you count the bar area and the private dining room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four of those. It's a, it's a massive restaurant. But I would say some, some uh, places on the plaza, like Capitol Grill... Uh, Cheesecake Factory restaurants Mm -hmm. like that—they have seen over 400, yeah.
2: And there is there's like a science behind that. Not even not even. I mean the the idea is still the same. It's very grab and go, scoop and plate. So like the the restaurant that I was at was more like bohemian style. So like hummus and literally scoop plate. And they would you know do better than that. It would be a little more elevated, but it's the least amount of preparation to get the best product. Hmm. Very very interesting business model. Yeah, (laughs) and it works.
0: So Ryan broke some bad news to me about Blueston today, oh, which no. is very frustrating. <laughs> uh, the brunch, yes. the breakfast on yes. Sundays—that was a tradition of mine through my single years. Yeah, uh, it was a great day place. Yeah, um, it was a great uh, place to go on Sundays with a it girlfriend. Uh, good, fr- you know, I've I've been there many times. Yeah, very affordable for what you got. Uh-huh. Very good food. And it's not happening anymore. What's going on?
2: This Sunday, November 6th, will be the final. Oh,
0: so we f- have... So, so tomorrow, We're t- as we tape the show, it'll air on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so that I means I need to make a reservation for, for Sunday.
2: You better call today. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, uh-huh. so yeah, November 6th, last brunch, 1030 to 230. Uh, we are taking reservations in the entire restaurant. And I think as of right now, we are about 80% full for the entire day. Wow. Because so many people want to come in and and eat that last final brunch. So so I
0: always thought it was great. You just it's 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 time consuming, it's costly.
2: So it you know, and this being a business show, this will make a lot more sense. Please you know, please share. Side, um it is not conducive to us maintaining things like labor costs. Yeah. Um. You know, our price point from Tuesday to Saturday is significantly higher in the dining room than what we sell our brunch for. Now, the bar, like all the cart menu in the lounge, that's affordable. That's the actually that's the same price, if not less, than what we charge during brunch. Um. But what we base what we pay our staff based on is that price point that we sell in the dining room because that's where we generate most of our money. Mm-hmm. And it's basically we're taking our you know our profit. Or We're taking what we're making during the week and our labor costs, and we're flipping it upside down on Sundays. Which and is s-
0: interesting because you see a lot more restaurants starting to go towards doing a brunch on Sundays.
2: Yeah, but I think that in order to make it
1: uh, financially uh, feasible, you've got to do more volume. You know, mm-hmm. to, to Andrew's point, I mean, Blue Center is a very small restaurant, small dining room. Uh, in order to make it, it work with that concept, they, the price point, the, the guest check average is a lot higher for dinner. You can't charge those same prices for brunch. The, mm-hmm. the, the price point is a lot lower. So you know, and we we don't do brunch at the Rieger, and mm-hmm. that is one of the main reasons. So a lot of females
0: out there aren't going to like you guys because they uh, they drag guys to brunch every weekend.
2: <laughs> true, true. Um, I I know, but that, I enjoy
0: the Blue Stim bre- I call it breakfast because I don't want to.
2: Yeah, you know. Well, this last one's going to be like lobster eggs Benedict. <clears throat> oh my god! Uh, I heard rumors of caviar on the menu for this last brunch. Um, Megan and Colby, the owner, chef owners of Bluestem, will be there. Oh, they're um, great. Our executive chef Andrew Longris will be there. Um, newly promoted executive chef, the first ever in Blue Stems history. Um
0: Will you be there? Or are you gonna work the bar? I you, will not. You're not. No? I will be
2: in New York City. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, you know. So you are the bar manager. I am.
0: So we get some great drinks there and absolutely uh, great food.
2: Absolutely. Um the the drink menu and you know, everything centers around the food. We have a bar there because of the restaurant. Um it is the 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 bar is a important but insignificant part of the restaurant just in matter of you know generating money but it gets people in the restaurant and it's a very it's very seasonally driven um as is our food if it's not in season it doesn't go on a plate or it doesn't go in the glass and so um we change the menu four times a year um and kind of rotating through things as we get them even though that there are four seasons in the year um A lot of things aren't seasonal in those quarters. Sometimes things only last a month. So the menu is hyper-rotational is what I call it. Um, You could have a drink on it one week and then the next week those persimmons are gone. So no more persimmons. (laughs) Tomatoes. Tomatoes are a really big one. We have a a clarified uh, tomato water, Bloody Mary, on the brunch menu. And we get a lot of people that ask for tomatoes on things. But because tomatoes aren't in season, we don't carry them. But we... Carry them strictly to make this drink. So sometimes it gets a little confusing for people, but they they get it. Our guests are very much creatures of habit, so it's been fun to introduce them to something that is so um, ever changing.
0: We're talking to Andrew Olson, who's the bar manager at Blue Stem. The website is bluestemkc.com. One of Kansas City's finest restaurants. Great a uh, great ownership group there. Uh, been around for quite a while here in Kansas City. Kind of local. Local movement. I, I would I attribute to a lot about what they did with uh, with Blueston. It was got a lot of good exposure. We've had uh, Megan and uh, Megan on the show before and her husband as well. Um, when we come back, we're going to have more with Andrew on the Grill Nation show. We're going to talk about some of the other things he's been up to and Ryan and him. I'm assuming we'll talk about some drinks here in a little bit. So let's do it. Thanks for listening to Grill Nation. We'll be right back after the break. I turn the music up. I got my red on. I shut the world outside until the
2: one shot, two shot, tone, Every time you kiss me, it's like sunshine and whiskey.
0: Welcome back to Grill Nation on talk 980 am and talk980am.com. Appreciate you joining me today, along with partner and supporter of Grill Nation, Ryan Maybe You know him well from J. & Co. and the Rieger KC. Lucky to have on as one of our guests today, Andrew Olson, who is the bar manager at Blue Stim. The website is KC dot com. One of the better restaurants here in Kansas City. He is a great guy, and Ryan, um, and him have known each other for a little bit now, and have kind of the leaders in the the thought leaders in the uh, yeah, beverage industry,
1: if you will, in the Kansas City area. Two uh, of them, at least. Yeah, and there's, and there's quite a as few. Well. There's there's a lot. There's quite a few. That's one thing. One thing that I I'm really proud of with uh, the bar community in Kansas City is how far it's come. Um, I think back; it's been ten years now since Doug Frost and I started the, the the Greater Kansas City Bartending Competition, which then morphed into Paris of the Plains. And back then, there was really no community to speak of when it came to bartending. You know, everyone was just kind of a mercenary, kind of on their own. And now there's like a really collaborative group of of people that are professionals and uh, really take pride in what they do and challenge each other and share ideas and uh, it's just really a, a cool thing to see and one thing that, that uh, Andrew has done in, in addition to being the, the bar manager at uh, Bluestem and making uh, fantastic cocktails, you're also starting to get into more brand work, working for brands which is something that we're starting to see uh, around the country as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, I think that there's, uh, I, originally there was a lot of consumer-based um, focus Uh, for a lot of brands and what I think the importance of bringing all these bartenders onto their brand teams and putting, putting them in charge of getting bottles in other bartenders hands um, is, is translating to the consumer much more um, efficiently. And, you know, I'm going out and doing tastings and I'm, and I'm reaching out and trying to get menu placements and, and educating people on, you know, the blending process of Appleton rum and creating these experiences for my peers and my subordinates, you know, in the industry. And what happens is, is they walk away with this like really, really great uh, memory of an experience that I created for them using this brand. And then hopefully that they walk away the next time they're making a drink and they think, I need to use some sort of rum. I'm definitely going to use Appleton rum, Mm -hmm. not just because of its high quality, but because the respect that they have for me or for the brand and what we did to, I love,
1: I really, I love that. And I love seeing that across the board because if you look at at our industry 20, 30 years ago, let's say you're a big spirit brand, you're Jack Daniels, you're you're Jameson, you're uh, Bacardi rum, whatever the case may be. The way that you uh, get your your product out there is you spend a lot of money on advertising. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the look and the image. And that's how you get your product in the consumer's hands. But now, I think that's entirely shifted and they're starting – brands are starting to see value in the expertise and the respect is a word that you use uh, for the bartender, which I think is fantastic because it, it speaks volumes to uh, just how far our, our profession, our craft has come. Now they're, these brands are recognizing that and saying um, we need to put our product in the hands of the bartender, um, and that's going to get the word out a lot faster than you know putting up a, a billboard.
2: You know? Oh, absolutely. And I mean really – if I had taken a survey in this room of what Appleton was before, there's a chance that only half of us would have known. You know, and I've heard of it, but yeah. uh, I
0: got to be honest with you guys, I haven't had a, a glass <laughs> of rum since my trip to Cuba last year. Uh, <laughs> right, I had enough mojitos the last rum, me for the rest no, of my honestly, life. honestly, <laughs> rum
1: is—I love rum, but I'm a—I'm a geeky bartender. But rum is a tough category, especially really in is. the but, Midwest. But, but,
0: but you know what? Like in college, I'm 37. I drink a ton of rum. I mean, okay. Cap- Captain, Captain Morgan, Morgan was like it, Captain and Coke, <laughs> right? Captain and Coke That's in the in the, uh, in the early two thousands was the uh, was the drink, but now it's funny because you don't hear about rum as
2: much. Yeah, and rum, like Brian was saying, rum in the Midwest is difficult. I mean, I wouldn't even say not just in the Midwest. I think globally, rum is is a is that category that is having a lot of trouble right now because it's not regulated. Hmm. Um, whereas, like with American whiskeys, uh, there are regulatory. You know entities that keep track of all this stuff, whether it's government based or whatever um in the rum world, it's very much you know there's a group of guys in Jamaica that say, "Well, this is what Jamaican rum is, and it's that's pretty it, loose you know and it's it is it's it's super difficult, and so you know there's this big push, I would say in the last couple of years to really figure all that out and and make it more uh streamlined
0: It's weird how it kind of goes in cycles, mm-hmm. isn't it though with oh, uh, with drinks. It really uh, is at least at least in the Midwest I feel like, you know, Ryan can attest to this. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I don't know if whiskey was nearly as big as it is uh, we're now. We are a whiskey town,
1: there's yeah, no doubt.
0: Yeah, um but yeah, rum. I mean, it's it isn't bad. I mean, when I had it in when I, had, I I bought some back from Cuba and I drank a little bit, but it tastes pretty good. The rum and coke still tastes good to me. It's delicious, especially yeah, when you're yeah. there though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's hotter out, right, I guess, in a new tropical location. But, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So you'd mentioned you're going to uh New York? uh, next week. I'm also going to go, we're going to be there at the same time. Um, and I think what's happening, yeah, right. We should do that. Um, I think that's one of the, uh, another example of, of where our industry is headed because there's a, a week long, uh, educational conference called bar Institute and, uh, you're going to be attending. I'm going to be teaching one of the seminars, um, and it's bartenders from all over the country, uh, headed out there to, to learn, to educate themselves.
2: Yeah. Um, it is invaluable. The, uh, the, amount of experience and the things that you can learn while you're there. I mean, whether it's bar technique or trying to, you know, learn um, the financial aspect of opening your own place or, you know, the sales side of brand work outside of just bartenders. um, Those are all things that you get to learn while you're there. Um, Even down to, you know, what vitamins can you help? What Mm -hmm. vitamins can you take to help maintain Mm -hmm. certain, certain aspects of your life, you know, health-wise and diet, pretty, pretty rugged lifestyle. I, I,
0: I'd like to, to get on some of that. It's crazy.
2: I talked to a chiropractor in San Antonio last January at the San Antonio Cocktail Conference, and there has been all this research done that cocktail high-volume cocktail bartenders put their body through just as much, if not more, stress than a professional athlete because of the unnatural movements that they're making for so many hours on end, five, six days a week, that if they're not taking care of their bodies properly, it can, I mean, you can have some serious, I know multiple serious... bartenders
1: that have had surgeries on their elbows, yep. on their back. People's, their, people's their biceps knees. snapping, their yeah. forearms
2: giving out. Oh it's, my an, gosh. it's an
1: intense, intense job. Yeah, it really, it really I've never heard that before. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so that's Bar Institute is really just, a, a, it's, it's this week long, uh, event to really get as many bartenders in one place to, to teach them an unlimited the amount of The other cool thing is when you're, we're starting to see these things happen around the
1: country, not only is it a great uh, educational experience, but it's also a really great networking experience. You get to meet bartenders from other cities, learn from them, Uh, And sometimes it opens all kinds of uh, doors and opportunities.
2: Absolutely. If it wasn't for that, Appleton probably would not have happened. If it wasn't for being able to have these events to go to and network myself, I don't think that I would be in the position that I am right now to the point where, I mean, Ryan, you could test this too. I feel like I could go to any major city in the U S and know a good friend and get get a good job and someone offer me a good job. Yeah. You know,
0: and you've been winning bartending competitions too. Let's yeah. that. Uh
2: just recently I uh won the uh the regional heat for the diplomatical world tournament in Chicago. It was uh three weeks ago. And uh Yeah. It's kinda like barbecue that. competitions here right? in Kansas City. Right. You guys Internet have had these bartender it, competitions right? that are getting huge. <laughs>
1: oh man, I I got to go to Trinidad to compete a few years ago. I mean the opportunities are just amazing. You're headed yeah. to Vegas for the Vegas for the in February final.
2: for the national final for the world tournament. Um and then if you know if I go I win that, then I end up in Venezuela and London, dude. Representing KC,
0: then then, then we'll uh, we'll have you back on the show, Love and we'll it. have we'll have you bring in some of those uh I'll have a winning great. spirits. <laughs> It'd be great. Uh, Andrew Olson, bar manager at Blue Stem. The website is bluestemkc.com Ryan Maybe, uh, partner and supporter of Grill Nation, uh, Jay Rieger and Co. and Rieger KC. I appreciate you guys coming on uh, Grill Nation show today and continuing the good work and. Safe travels, my friends. Yep, thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Grill Nation. We'll see you next week. Take care.